0: Don't get a flu shot.
1: Today is Friday, August 18th, 2023. Time for episode 194 of the Barnhart Podcast. You know, when the super nerd first set up my website, EvanMaza.com, he, uh, he said to me that uh, someday... And that day may never come. I'm going to ask you a favor. Or something along those lines. So I uh, am helping out with the opening today, but unfortunately I can't stay. It's nothing personal. It's uh, strictly business. (laughs) Fantastic. Fantastic. And the reason that just happened is because super nerd has a bug of some sort and he's, he's uh, power dosing Ivermectin and all the other good stuff, but he still sounds like, he still sounds like Barry white after smoking a pack of unfiltered camels. So he's kind of, he's, he's chillaxing in the chair. Um, but I am here with Nurse Claire. Hello, dear. Welcome Hi. back. Hello. So good to hear your dulcet tones. How have you been? Oh. I'm I'm good. I'm busy, but I'm good. How are you? I'm absolutely fantastic. And my proper microphone is working today. Your your my you have the same microphone as I do. We both have dark chocolate, so we're both we're both sounding fantastic, but we're not sounding like Barry White after a pack of unfiltered camels. Thank, thank God. So, but super nerd is he's manning, he's manning the soundboard and he's taking care of us and he's listening in. And if this thing goes completely off the rails, he'll, he'll jump in and save us, but (laughs) we should be able to hold it together. Pretty good. So we kind of have a nurse Claire episode three, um, three topics that are right in nurse claire's wheelhouse and an exciting announcement to make should we open with the announcement and then kind of leap into the content sure nurse claire you you have a blog now is is this are these rumors true yes yeah you've convinced me you have
0: convinced me so uh hopefully you know we'll be launching very soon um if not as we speak outstanding and what is that domain name dear nurse claire says dot
1: com and how do you spell claire c-l-a-i-r-e nice okay so nurse claire says dot com everybody bookmark it it's going to be kind of i mean the re- what i was saying to nurse claire in our little chitty chat group that we have our little messaging group is she's she sends us all of these fascinating links and stories and says you know take a look at this take a look at that i post i post some of them you know and i i always put a header on the on the post that says nurse claire sends da 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 da, and it's always it's all this really interesting stuff and what I said to Nurse Claire, what I said to you is, you need to just have your own your own place. And just all this stuff that you're sending to us in our little chitty chat message group, you need to just be throwing that up on a on a blog, just so people can be checking it periodically or put it in their RSS feed or however people attack it. And, um, you know, sometimes sometimes, an essay, sometimes maybe just a two or three sentence intro, and it doesn't need to dominate your life, but you've got so much content that it's, I think it'll be a good thing for you to, to have a, a central point where people can go and keep up with you beyond Twitter, you know, so, or, or X, as I, I suppose X. I'm now supposed to refer to it. Yeah, I think <laughs> the, day, the
0: days, they're numbered anyway. That's, it's pretty. Exactly, leaf. yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I pray for humility. I hope that I can help people. I'm not, I don't want to speak out of my own pride or anything like that. So hopefully it can be a place where people find something useful.
1: I'm absolutely certain of it because you're, you're good at curating interesting content. So everybody bookmark that com. the new the new go-to blog, the new daily check. So, oh, I shouldn't have said that. No pressure. Nurse Claire is a busy, busy woman, obviously. Um, no pressure that you have to post every day. <laughs> so just a, just a, per- a periodic check or put yeah. it in an RSS feed so that when she posts that it pops up for you. Good plan. So, so we have three topics today. I think we should probably open with the most controversial one. Um, And I'll let you kind of take over because it's about the movie Sound of Freedom, and I haven't seen it, but Nurse Claire has some very, very strong feelings and spidey Mm -hmm. sense about this thing, and uh, take it away. Well, actually, that
0: will be the topic of my first blog post. Mm -hmm. (laughs) sort of putting my my neck out there because I think um, it's maybe not a topic that's going to win me many supporters. Um, It first came on my radar in June on social media because there was a lot of adversity marketing surrounding that movie. It was heavily promoted or slash not promoted Um, on social media, it was put out there as, Oh, you know, they're trying to suppress this, they, they don't want you to see this. We have been trying to get this story out, and they don't want you to see it. And immediately I was like, No, I don't know, those things kind of get my radar up a little bit. Um, And then it came out, I think, around 4th of July. And tons of people flocked to see it. Uh, People Mm -hmm. that I know, and they were very emotional about it, very um, expressing fear for their own children, um, working very hard to convince other people to go see it buying tickets for other people to go see it. Um, And I thought, you know, when there's this kind of emotional frenzy, I think I'm old enough to say, after everything we've been through, especially with COVID and things like that, when you, that should be a red flag. When you see all of this emotionalism that you should kind of mm-hmm. step back, maybe take pause. And they there they just felt something off to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't seen it, to be honest. I've not seen the movie. I had a friend text me uh, that she wanted to go see it, she asked if I you know, she invited me to go along. And I said no. Um, because I after the digging that I've done, I just didn't feel it was something I wanted to subject myself to or participate in. And um, I know probably a lot of people listening to this podcast have seen it. So um, There are spoiler alerts. (laughs) If you haven't seen it, I am gonna talk about it, so beware, there's spoiler alert. Um, The movie, Jim Caviezel plays Tim Ballard, and Tim Ballard was a former ICE agent. Um, And he started a nonprofit organization called OUR, Operation Underground Railroad. And that nonprofit was set up, According to him to deal with the issue of child sex trafficking, the movie Sound of Freedom was originally called Origin Story, I think was the name of it, because Tim Ballard, it, by his own admission in numerous interviews that he's given, and I'll actually link to some of them on my uh, blog post, he he tells this story as the reason he set up for this nonprofit the movie mirrors the story that he tells um and the movie touts itself as based on a true story now i think everybody knows when you have something based on a true story that there's some maybe details that are added or subtracted or a little embellishing here and there. Um, But when you really look at the story that he tells and claims is true, and you compare it with the court documents of the case that this story is based on or this story alleges to portray, there's almost nothing that's true. Um, and it becomes sort of a question of stolen valor, maybe,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, especially when you look at in the court documents, what Tim Ballard actually did. He had a very minor role in, um, apprehending the man who was later convicted of pedophilia. Um, there were three other agents that, played a more prominent role and and did rescue the child in the movie um, in real life. And Tim Ballard was just kind of just there. Um, So there's a lot of questions surrounding his story, um, a lot of easily debunkable allegations that he makes. And then when you look at the 990, because his organization OUR is um, it is a nonprofit, so the nine ninety forms are available online. They have nearly mm-hmm. one hundred million dollars that has been donated wow. to them. Um And Ooh, yeah, I had <laughs> no idea. Yeah, oh my he, goodness. He pays himself a very hefty salary. There's a lot of um, protection that he has received from. The attorney general in the state of Utah and members of the Latter Day Saints Wait, what, Church and what what state what what what, Utah. what now Utah <laughs> yeah he's a Mormon I'm- and so I'm really not sure what the end game to this movie is it, it could just be a grift for the Mormon Church I think I think in large part it is but it also has a feel of some trauma based mind control psyop, you know, um, Trump, then down at Mar-a-Lago had this big showing of this movie out on the lawn with an enormous screen and all of these uh, celebrities invited and Jim Caviezel was there. And, you know, people made mention of how like Trump is going to be the one that saves kids from child sex trafficking. I don't know where Trump was from 2016 to 2020 that he didn't do it then. Um, you know, what what is so different about Trump now? But anyway, Um, So it it could be some call to action, some rallying cry for the Trump supporters, or it could be, and this is my concern, um, when you think back to other events that have psychologically traumatized the public at large, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. COVID, 9-11, things like that, it was all kind of... um, used then to pass legislation or enact policy that eroded our freedoms and done well, in the name to be, of-
1: Children need to be microchipped like dogs y- and cats so yeah, they can be
0: tracked. Yep, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. You know, 9-11, well, it's for public safety and COVID, uh, it's for public health. And this could be something that's, oh, well, it's for the children. So I, I just, <clears throat> I know people are very emotionally attached to this movie, and it is—it um, is a very difficult thing, and it's also very real. I had someone uh, ask me on Twitter, "Well, don't you believe in child sex trafficking?" <laughs> of course I do. Of course I do. And it's a grave evil, and I'm not—I'm not saying what I'm saying to make light of that. Not at all. But I'm saying we have to keep our emotions in check and not get manipulated.
1: Um, so- And Nurse Claire sent me um, the, the pre-draft of her blog post about this. And she literally says in almost every paragraph, I absolutely believe that pedophilia and child trafficking is a terrible evil and a grave problem she says it in every paragraph and i guarantee you that when this blog post goes up on her new blog that there are going to be people who are going to say well you you don't care about you don't think pedophilia is bad you don't think this is a problem and i i you know messaged nurse claire and said you need to brace yourself for this because um the the now deceased Gerard Vanderloon over at americandigest.org which i mean he's he died um after the first he died in, in january but he had a saying and i'm paraphrasing but it was basically a writer can never write anything with sufficient clarity such that someone won't misunderstand it and you you just you have to get thick skin and you just have to acknowledge that you can repeat again and again and again. Listen, pedophilia is obviously real. It's obviously a big problem. Child trafficking is obviously a big problem. However, pump the brakes and and on especially on this thing. And then here's why. Da, 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 da. It, it's just it's just part of being you know publishing anything in in the public space that people are going to be reactionary against you and take it to a ridiculous opposite pole and like i messaged to nurse claire earlier you know nuanced thought is pretty much at this point even rarer than common sense Mm -hmm. and that's saying something so um can't can't say it enough (laughs) <laughs> I can see people putting up blog posts and and the trolls, the paid trolls who are paid to come after me and everybody that associates with me. That the Barnhart podcast is is doesn't believe that pedophilia is a problem or or <laughs> something like that. Nurse Claire yeah. doesn't believe that pedophilia is a problem, and that's just it's just it's just par for the course. It's the way it is, and you can't let it bother you, and you just have to go on speaking out about these things. Now you told me there was a plot point in the movie where it is the child in question is depicted as being abducted by a an international like pedophilia ring or something Mm -hmm. and the truth of the matter is in the real story that the child was as most victims of pedophilia are was molested by a family member is that correct not a family member, but that's close. So or a friend the mo- of the family. Yeah. Yeah. The movie depicts
0: um a brother and sister who are being trafficked by a a child sex trafficking ring. And this is mm-hmm. how Tim Ballard presents his story as well. That they busted up this ring, you know? Um, that they they somehow rescued this boy and then conducted a raid on a compound and saved 11 children and the sister was down taken into Colombia, and they had to go into the jungles of Colombia to rescue her. Um, the actual story is that uh, the boy, the this, this brother and sister do exist, but they are Americans. They lived in California. They were not you know, Mexican children or s- children from Central America that were trafficked by ring. They mm-hmm. lived in California with their grandmother. Um, the neighbor, this Earl Buchanan, that is his name in real life, he is a convicted pedophile, and he is currently serving a prison term. Um, he groomed the family. He groomed the grandmother, he groomed the little boy, he won their trust, as most pedophilia cases Mm -hmm. go. That's exactly what happened here. Um, And then he obtained consent from the grandmother to take this child on a trip to which she consented to the brother, the little boy. Mm -hmm. And he took the boy to Mexico as they were coming across the border and they were to return home they were stopped at the border checkpoint um the the border patrol agents noticed that this man um was in a car with a little boy by himself and the little boy was sitting on his lap And they thought maybe something was odd about that. They asked the man to get out of the car, they inspected the car, they talked to the child, Um, they talked to the man, and he very honestly said, oh no, I mean, I'm not his dad, I'm not claiming to be his dad, I'm just a friend, I have permission of the grandmother. And, And the border patrol called the grandmother and confirmed the story. What caused them to place the man under arrest was that as they were searching the vehicle, they found videotapes of um, child porn Mm. and that is how the story broke that's how they arrested the man they then took the child into protective custody had him examined at a hospital the boy was five at the time the sister was home with the grandmother was never molested was never a victim of any of this there was no raid on a compound there was no international trafficking ring that Tim Ballard busted up. Um and I don't understand so based on a
1: true story is just really stretching yeah, it. Really, it's really, really
0: stretching, stretching it. it. Yeah. And I don't understand if you want to call attention to the plight of these victims, why do you have to use this child's story and modify it so much? and sensationalize it and then pass it off as true. I, I I mean, I don't understand the whole point here. It just seems yeah. odd. Um, and it as for, odd. yeah, it, and as for, um, you know, anybody listening who thinks that I, I don't, that I just wanna make light of the situation, I have given anesthesia to children for rape exams. I'm fully aware of pedophilia, I'm fully aware of the devastating effects of sexual abuse, and what that does. Um, I've seen patients, children who are victims of that I've taken care of them firsthand myself. So I'm not in denial that this is a grave, grave evil that is very present in our world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, there's A couple other points I want to hit and you mentioned that this guy Ballard that's his name right yeah he's got he's got this nonprofit
0: um, which he has stepped away from that's the other thing that's interesting so the movie was released at the beginning of July Um, Mm -hmm. all of the popularity all of the hundreds of millions of dollars. I think it's made $160 million or something. I don't know. Well, it outpaced,
1: it outgrossed, um, what's the Tom Cruise thing? Uh, Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. Yeah. That's remarkable.
0: He very quietly stepped away from his own organization in mid-July, which is Hmm.
1: interesting. Now, I'm going to say this, and it's, I wanna make absolutely clear that I am not accusing Ballard or anyone else of anything. I'm just making a very, very big, broad, big picture point. This is an undeniable fact. NGOs and like, for example, the UN and things like that, that are involved in quote, unquote, the prevention of child sex trafficking tend to be, again, making a very big painting with broad strokes comment on the global situation. NGOs and um, things like the UN that are involved in child sex trafficking prevention tend to be riddled with pedophiles. This is an objective fact. Um, A great example of this is um, anti-Pope Bergoglio's um, alleged sodomite boyfriend in Argentina, Gustavo Vera. Gustavo Vera is a a guy in Buenos Aires who just drifts in and out of having a government position, and then when the government changes in Argentina and he's out of the government, he has an NGO that's dedicated to the prevention of child sex trafficking. And it turns out that the guy is like the biggest child sex pimp in the red light district of Buenos Aires. And he used and when he was in the government, he would use his power to quash all of the competition. So if there were little boy prostitute street, street urchins standing outside on the street, he, he would send the government in to swoop in and get them all out of there why? Because he was protecting the monopoly that he had inside of the gay nightclubs. And he was, for a while, he was basically living half time in, in Casa Santa Marta, inside the Vatican, where Anti Pope Bergoglio lives, the luxury hotel that Anti Pope Bergoglio lives in, in the Vatican. And he would just be constantly flying back and forth, back and forth across the Atlantic Ocean, back and forth from Rome to Buenos Aires. And uh, I know people who are on the ground. In fact, one of the people who told me there's something really, really, really off about Gustavo Vera and Jorge Bergoglio was the wonderful child advocate attorney, Liz Yore. Um, who had was in Rome went to a conference about about this topic in Rome in the Vatican saw them with her own eyes and you know she said they, could, they couldn't keep their hands off of each other and it was it was really ostentatious and it was really noticeable and everybody around was noticing this and then there there were obviously all kinds of rumors and then There was evidently a big fight, and Gustavo Vera was thrown out of the Hotel Santa Marta, and uh, Swiss guards met him in in St. Peter's Square carrying his luggage and said, get the hell out of here right now and don't come back. So they must have broken up or something. But, um, but, I mean, this is the case with the United Nations. Anywhere the UN goes, like Haiti, or anywhere where they go in where there's been, you know, Natural disaster, devastation, extreme poverty—it the the whole thing is just riddled with pedophiles, and they're just they're trafficking those children, they're using those children. God God knows what's happening to—I mean, little Haitian kids. I mean, you could—they—they could—they could do anything they wanted with those kids, up to and including killing them in ritual sacrifice or snuff films or anything else, um, and. NGOs tend to be involved in this thing. So you've got to have your spidey sense up and you say, well, Anne, what do you do? Now, this is a catch 22, if anybody starts a thing where you're trying to help um, solve this problem and bring people to justice, um, you're now saying, well, we we have to be suspicious of all of those people too. And my response is kind of yes, and Satan's one hell of a chess player. And that's what all of this is, you know? Um, just get get that all infiltrated too, so that you're just for every step forward you're taking two steps back and it's 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 just a function of the state of the world that we 're living in, yes, one hundred percent. Do you have anything you want to riff on after that well i'm no, I mean I think that's expertly stated, very
0: well said um, I know at the end of this movie there's a message that plays from Jim Caviezel. He comes on at the end of the movie and says, oh, you know, we gotta stop this. And the best way to stop this is to get more people to see this movie. You gotta buy tickets and pay it forward and buy tickets. It's like, okay, why don't you identify resources of organizations that do help these children or train people to how to identify um, people who are being trafficked? You know, yeah. it's, but it's buy more tickets to a movie and yeah, ee. it's,
1: it's at, a at little absolute cringe. bare minimum. It's just crass and cringy at, yeah. at the bare minimum. Yeah. And that kind of segues into a little thing that I want to go off on a little bit, and I know you'll chime in on this too. And that is Caviezel himself. Um, goodness, like everyone else, absolutely love passion of the Christ. Great job. Gibson did a spectacular job. Kavizel did a spectacular job. That was a long time ago. I think they were making mm-hmm. that thing in 2003, and a lot has happened since then. And um, I've gotten after I've gotten after Caviezel before because um, it was in the context. It was more in the context of Gibson. Oh, I know who it was. It was a a blogger priest who was posting pictures. He had had meetings with Mel Gibson. Oh, it was when, do you remember when the movie Father Stu came out? Oh yeah, it was, it was all, it was all surrounding that. Okay. So. Which is full of blasphemy
0: and I don't want to get off yeah. on a tangent, but we'll talk about we, that We talked about it on the podcast. Yes, we can go d- but, dig
1: that up. And cause you, did you go to see it or people, oh, no. Life site wrote about it no. and said, guys, don't go see this. Yes, <laughs> but we,
0: we can, we can talk, talk about blasphemy absolutely but go ahead sorry oh yeah
1: (laughs) so but it, it all ties together because in 2003 and 2004 when the passion of the christ was happening mel gibson was present in his marriage um he had not abandoned his wife and children um and he also made it clear that when they were when they were producing the film that they that Gibson himself insisted that all of the Catholics on the set be confessed and there was daily mass. They would have daily mass early in the morning before they started. And I I also remember telling the story about at that time, I think I think Gibson's father Hutton Gibson was still alive and Hutton Gibson was a massive massive set of a cantist and I know people who knew Gibson when he was running around Rome, and he had like a 167 year old uh, French priest that he was dragging around with him, because he was a massive set of a cantist and didn't believe that any any of the priests anywhere, including you know, Ecclesia Day, Fraternity of Saint Peter, Institute of Christ Christ the King, he didn't believe any of them were validly ordained. So he's he's dragging Father Charleroux. Who at the time, I you know, I said he was 167. I think he was in his 90s because he had to have a priest who was ordained before 1958, or whatever his Hutton Gibson's line in the sand was. But I suppose it was 1958. So he's got Father Charlerux with him saying Mass every day. Um, and you know, I know people who were <laughs> right there in the parish and you know, Gibson walks in and says, this is Father Charleroux. Can can he offer the holy sacrifice? And they say, well, sure, yeah, okay. And um, and Gibson would serve the mass. Okay, so good, great. Gibson is, is, we presume, in a state of grace while all of that is happening. Then Gibson loses his mind. Um, his alcoholism flares up, apparently. He abandons his wife and his seven children, he takes up with a Russian concubine, has a child with her, then has since dumped her, and now has an American concubine who, and has had a child with her, who is, wait for it, the screenwriter and director of Father Stu. So he was, Gibson was shilling for his, his side piece baby mama, who was doing the whole father stew thing? And I'm like, wait a minute, y'all. First of the first question I would have for for Gibson is, why are you now making movies about Novus Ordo Priests when before you you were staunch in the belief that they weren't even validly ordained? I just I just don't like hypocrisy you know, make your position clear, please explain it to me and whatever it is. I mean, if you've had a change of heart since your father died, whatever, but please explain this. Then the second thing is, is, you know, celebrity blogger priests, trad celebrity blogger priests are running around posting pictures that they've taken and oh, I'm meeting with Mel Gibson, I wait a minute, have, <laughs> has the fact that this guy is living in public extremely public obvious objective mortal sin and the scandal of that is this is this a thing are we discussing this or because it's mel gibson we're just going to look the other way again i don't like the hypocrisy and i think there needs to be clarity on that and let's be honest gibson is worth probably at this point close to a billion dollars. He's, he's absolutely, after the passion of the Christ and all of that, he's, he was worth in the, in the nine figures, no question. And you know, everything is inflated and everybody's stock portfolios and real estate portfolios have, have inflated. So he's gotta be, his net worth right now has to be in the high nine figures, I would, I would guesstimate. Okay, so you've got a nine figure millionaire mega celebrity and just carrying on publicly clearly in a state of unrepentant mortal sin now he's getting ready to make um this resurrection movie uh the sequel he, And then this is where caviezel comes back into it okay caviezel what are you doing man what 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 do we believe here um are you're gonna be a part of this so you remember how everybody had to be clean and in the state of grace and shriven and everybody's going to daily mass when you're making the passion but now we're just gonna shrug off the fact that Mel is in is openly in a state of unrepentant mortal sin say well you don't know that well yes I do he needs to go back to his wife he needs to go back to his wife. He is sacra- sacramentally married to Robin Gibson. This is nonsense. He He's not even pretending to be civilly married with the baby mama. He's fornicating with her, clearly. This needs to stop. You need to put the concubines away and you need to go back to your wife. And if Robin Gibson says, you know, I'm sorry, um, no, then you go to the bishop and you sit down and you say, we need we need permission you go to a bishop you can even go to the one of the sspx bishops if you want you can you can do what you want you need to go get somebody to give you valid permission to live separately if you're if you're gonna be this super hardcore trad um that's how you fix this mel gibson and if robin won't take you back then you need to understand that you're done sir and you will live in perfect perpetual continence for the rest of your life hopefully praying and repenting for for what you have done is anybody talking about this at all is is this even on anybody's radar or is it just oh mel called and we're gonna make another movie and it's gonna make it's gonna make a billion dollars worldwide so yeah totally totally copacetic don't like it don't like it now let's go back to um this movie and talking about the space alien worshipers in utah the mormons and a name that popped up is beck right yeah yeah so caviezel w- what what are you doing jumping into bed with a cult that is clearly for profit clearly a cult and whose putative theology mm-hmm. Is so laughably abs- uh, just absurd that you know everything's about space aliens and we all become God space aliens and Satan and Jesus were brothers and God the Father is another bigger space alien and God the Holy Ghost and God the Holy Spirit are two other space aliens. So there's the there's the quatrine space alien Godhead folks, this is literally what Mormonism is, takes takes five minutes to sit down and read the actual theology of what comes out of Salt Lake City. And it is, it is the combination, it's a hybrid combination, or I guess the timeline would be Islam is first, Mormonism was concocted second, and then Scientology. They're all very similar and kind of to, to me, the way I think of it is Islam and, um, and Scientology fused together is basically a really good descriptor of what the basis of uh, Mormon BS theology is. It's just, it's ridiculous. Well, um, I think
0: too, if I can just interject, there is this understanding among some Catholics, or this idea, I shouldn't say not understanding, because it's its a fallacy, it's not true. There's an idea, and I've encountered this among some Catholics, particularly back when Mitt Romney was the candidate uh, for yep. president, whatever that was, 2012, Tw- 2012? 2012, um, yeah. There are people out there who think, or who are under the impression that Mormons are Christian, you need to get that out of your head immediately there is nothing christian here they do not believe in a triune god there there is no they do not believe in our lord jesus christ as our savior like they are not christian so please don't make that mistake i hope no one listening to this podcast thinks that but in case someone does no no there might
1: be no agenda listeners and all that and hey y'all if you want to deep dive on something deep dive on mormon theology when you go um to like rcia like i went through to enter the church or you do any sort of convert instruction um if you hear if there's anybody there that's mormon You know, they make, they really strongly make the point okay, if you were baptized like in a Methodist church or a Presbyterian church or a Baptist church, as long as, as long as there wasn't some crazy lesbian saying in the name of the goddess sanctifier, in the name of the goddess this, that creator, in the name of the goddess. what's the third one they 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 have invented a different trinity or or assigned female pronouns um that's only been a phenomenon relatively recently by and large anybody who was baptized in any sort of a protestant denomination yeah you you're baptized in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and it's valid that's how loving god is even even heretical sex validly baptize. And this is another thing that the Eastern Orthodox are wrong about. There's a lot of Eastern Orthodox who say you're you're not validly baptized unless you were baptized by an Eastern Orthodox um cleric. And that's absolutely completely wrong. You could be you could be baptized by a Jewish doctor. You could be baptized by a Muslim who walks down the street, literally. As long as they have as long as they use the correct matter and form. So water, water, water. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. It's valid. You're, you're baptized. God is the actor and God, it's so baptism is so important that God just bends over backwards and makes it as easy as possible for someone to get baptized, especially in an emergency situation. Back in the day, doctors and nurses, all of them, no matter what creed they were, were taught baptism. So that, you know, if if they needed to do it, especially in the context of a birth or something like that, that they, they could do it. It was a thing that was taught. Um, so, but when you when you come into the church, they're saying, "Okay, if you're if you were baptized, Protestant, triune formula, not doing anything strange like using female pronouns, it's valid. You're baptized. You don't. There is no rebaptism because we say that in the creed. I believe in one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we're not kidding about that. We don't rebaptize. Um, there's conditional baptism if, if there's a question." you can be conditionally baptized, but that's not a rebaptism. Um, so, but then they make the point, listen, if there's anybody here who's LDS Mormon, you are not baptized because what Mormons say when they say, in the name of the Father, they're not talking about the first person of the Most Holy Trinity. They're talking about a space alien that, they, that you know some con artist, Joseph Smith, concocted in order to make money. Um, when they say, in the name of the Son, they're not talking about the second person of the triune Godhead, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God incarnate. They're talking about another space alien. And like I said, they believe that the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit are, are two different other space aliens What they mean by the words that they say is not what the church means. It is something completely different. It is a deception, it is a lie, it is a scam. It's a stone cold scam, and it's a bad scam. I I just, I marvel, marvel that anybody could possibly fall for anything as categorically stupid as Mormonism. Um, But then a lot of people fall for um, Scientology, and a lot of people don't need to to mention. A lot of people over the centuries now have fallen for Islam without being coerced. Uh, There's a lot of coercion obviously in Islam, but a lot of people don't have to be coerced into it. They they fall for it, and it's just so transparently stupid. Um, So, Okay, here's Beck, who is an apostate Catholic, who hooked up with the Mormons because he says that when he was a drunk, they were nice to him. And okay, once again, Caviezel, what are we doing here? Um, why would you get into bed with Beck and another Mormon guy? And the whole thing is now a nine-figure concern. Um some something is wrong. You need to have better discernment about these things. Oh, and here we go. You you've said something that everybody's Nurse Claire. You've said something that every everybody's gonna their hair's gonna explode and they're gonna run around screaming. Let let me say the other one that we've talked about too. Is it not true that Kavizel is a Medjugorje person? Yeah, I've seen him yeah. speak,
0: and uh, I I've seen him speak, and he talks very openly about how big of a role Medjugorje plays in his life and how that he credits that with um, bringing him to the passion of the Christ, to that role. So I was like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) and if if you don't know, again, this is another one of those things that five minutes of research, if you look up the origins of all that, and I'm, I'm sorry, but Marian apparition that's been going on for what, 42 years, started in 81. And uh, when it started, they had Our Lady um, taking sides and talking about soccer matches. Um, it, it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous, um, advising disobedience to the bishop. Um, all kinds of things that are just not possible. Clearly not possible. And again, the whole you look at you look at Medjugorje, and you've got these quote unquote seers, and they do tours of the United States. I've literally mm-hmm. seen a brochure for one of these seers who was appearing in Louisiana somewhere. It wasn't New Orleans, but it was maybe like Baton Rouge or something. And it literally said on the flyer, you know, it had the whole agenda and outline and, you know, conference at this point, discussion of this at this this and such time. It literally said from 640 to 650, there will be an apparition of the Blessed Mother. And this is like months in advance. How transparently... Obviously, money grubbing, grifting, stupid. Does something have to be before people say, "Wait a minute, something's wrong here. Something's very, very wrong here." The fact of the matter is, Medjugorje was started in the run-up to the war in Yugoslavia. It was, it was done as a political maneuver, and it was done. I mean, they knew that war was coming, and they were trying to get some sort of a fundraising thing and, and, and tying the politics of the Yugoslavian political situation, attempting to tie that to the church and to the blessed Virgin through a fake apparition. And again, five minutes of objective research and reading on this and it's obvious. Look up what the initial apparitions of, of, the lady in medjugorje in 1981 and what she and what they say she said and you will see immediately that there's absolutely no way that this is legitimate so all right Cavizel. come on man you you you've you've got to do better than this you're you're running with just with shady character after shady character after problematic character after problematic character it's 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 no good it's no good and trust your gut and like nurse Claire said spidey sense when the red flags start going up the flagpole big and bold and the wind is blowing you know pay attention to that honor that yep did we cover it?
0: Did, we, I think did so. we nail it down? Yeah, I think so. And my blog post, I'll link to um, sources for people, you know, that you can look at the court documents, you can look at videos, um, you can listen to sound bites and see that the movie is really just not what you're being made to think.
1: But so you're you're OK with pedophilia then? Yeah. <laughs> no no my goodness i gotta toughen you up girl i gotta toughen you up (laughs) Uh, all right now from one horrible topic pedophilia and child sex trafficking one of the great evils in the Uh. world today uh let's go to another one of the great evils in the world today and um It looks like I feel, I kind of feel and have that creepy feeling Mm. like I had in February of 2020. Ooh, I hate when you say that. I
0: hate when you say that. Oh, I know. Yeah. Well, so a couple of media outlets um, are reporting that it's been leaked. That in mid-September the TSA will reinstate its mask mandate on airplanes. So um, that's leading a lot of people. Now, I mean, if there's what what
1: BS are the ads? It is completely.
0: It's complete BS. Um, If the case numbers for COVID are rising now, why are you waiting until mid-September? to reinstate a mask mandate. First of all, masks don't work. I mean, I don't if we have to even rehash that. I guess we should for new listeners.
1: But yeah, yeah. we
0: we were ahead of that in July of 2020, the first time I was mm-hmm. on your podcast. We shot down the whole fake narrative about masking for
1: respiratory viruses. Um and and the, the long short of it is is telling people to put on a surgical mask or an n90 whatever they're Five. called any yep. of those masks to stop an a airborne respiratory virus is literally as stupid as telling people to put up a chain link fence to keep mosquitoes out of their yard yep. to prevent malaria yep. it's ex- yep. in fact in fact the porousness of a chain link fence is probably less relatively speaking, relative to the particle size than the porousness of these masks and certainly of fashion fabric. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we were we were all over that. We were all over and, that. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: and even since then, so much more data has come out to just really demonstrate that it doesn't work. It doesn't
1: work. Yeah. And Again, here we go. It's detrimental. It's very detrimental. Do you remember all the videos of the sane healthcare professionals who would get like those smoke machines, Mm -hmm. put on the mask, and then exhale? Not Mm -hmm. only did the exhalation go straight through the mask, but the mask also redirects your Mm -hmm. exhalation where? Up. What's above your nose? Mm -hmm. Your eyes. And what are your eyes? They are mucus membranes, friends and neighbors. You're blowing your own exhaust back into your mucus membrane of your eye, which I believe there, God only knows this, There's, there would be no way to pin this down just because you can't pin something like this down. But it is my belief that most adults in the first world who have any sort of culture or civilization and who don't put their fingers and hands in their mouth or pick, pick their nose, except in the shower, let's be honest, I am, I'm not gonna front. Everybody picks their nose in the shower. Um, but the way that we get sick and we pick up stuff is that we touch door handles and then, we, and then we touch our eyes. We rub our eyes because there is no cultural taboo against rubbing your eyes. You see people digging and rubbing in their eyes all the time. Okay, you're literally rubbing whatever is on your hands. You're rubbing that in, into a mucous membrane. Mm-hmm. And I'm absolutely convinced that that's how most adults pick stuff up and get sick and that's another that was another clear signal that nobody was in any way serious about any of this and the powers that be knew that the mass were nothing they were completely ineffective they were a psych they were a psychological torture device to get people dehumanized and terrified yes because it's scary it's scary people walking around with those things on and um but there was absolutely nothing said anywhere about door handles nothing said about you know bathroom doors nothing nothing it's just put put on this mask and it was so it's just so again catastrophically stupid it is epically galactically stupid and i'm sorry but if if humanity falls for this crap again after Everything that we've been through, everyone on this planet should by now know. I can understand how maybe some uninformed, gullible, uneducated people might have been, might have been initially fooled by, by the whole PSYOP. How anyone at this point could not, could not know what, what a complete and abject crime against humanity this is and fall for this crap again i mean at at that point i'm you 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 get what you deserve folks um fool me once shame on me fool me twice shame on you truer words never spoken in in this context
0: I think it's the other way around. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame yeah, on me. Yeah, fool me
1: once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. But we exactly. we got gotcha. you. you. <laughs> no,
0: it, but I I mean I I'm just appalled. Like it, it's been a few days now. I'm hearing this you know subtle chitter chatter that oh we think masks are going to come back and now I see it today with this article this story about the TSA. All I can tell you to the listening public just say no. This is so preposterously stupid. Um, And people, again, have come at me, well, nurse Claire, don't you wear a mask in an operating room? Yes, I do. I do wear a mask in the operating room. That, however, is not to mitigate the spread of a respiratory virus and no one ever, ever thought
1: that it was. and we uh, furthermore it's so squishy squishy yes, turkey human beings correct. that are being cut on in front of you don't splash up right. into your mouth and nose
0: yeah yep yep even it you can't even make the argument that a mask in the OR protects you from spitting on someone because i myself personally on more than one occasion have sneezed in the OR while wearing a surgical mask and i would reflexively put my hand in front of my face as one does and mm-hmm. I could feel the whole sneeze come through the mask onto my hand. So sure. it's basically theatrics. If you think that wearing a mask in the OR is, is spreading, is, is reducing the spread of any kind of disease, it is for splatter protection for the staff. That's pretty much it. Yep. Um, and oh, and do,
1: you know, do you know what the new, what the new variant is called? you know what they named it bs 24 <laughs> 7 they're calling it eris e-r-i-s and yeah. do you know what eris is mm-hmm. eris is the greek goddess of strife and discord yeah so the luciferians are literally laughing in, in everybody's face. face
0: yes yep correct um and you know the the bandana or the t-shirt over the face is ridiculous. The surgical mask, ridiculous. That's like putting tissue paper over your face. But the other point I wanna address for people because I know in Europe, um, when masks were mandated in Europe, they would only allow you to wear a KN95. They wouldn't accept a surgical mask in parts of Europe. Um, And I wanna just reiterate with people a KN95 is just a scam. A properly fitted N95 respirator. First of all, it has to be fit tested. You have to have a test to ensure that the mask is fitting you correctly and sealing properly. And then when you determine that, um, it only filters out 95 means 95%, it filters out 95% of particles larger than 0.3 microns. And the SARS-CoV-2 virus that you're trying to filter with the N95 is 0.12 microns. So it's still too small to be filtered out by that mask. So an N95 doesn't work. And a KN95 that you buy in a giant bag of, I don't know, 50 or 100 on Amazon, those are not fit tested. It's just, it's a ripoff. It's a waste of your yeah. money. It's a scam. And this entire masking for COVID thing is a psyop.
1: Yeah. That's it. Absolutely. 100. 100. And obviously, the whole thing is driven towards getting more people injected with the poison. Yep. and just just some notes on what has emerged now that now that there's this big data set, now that we're two plus years into the death injections um or however long it's been, um, there there is enough data now where you can you can plot this stuff and see very, very clear um, patterns and trends in fact it's, it's even more than a pattern the the r squared on these curves is just is tight so if you plot um the the number of of um serious side effects and the number of days out that those occur um there are three extremely clear lines of data there's one line that's almost vertical on, on an XY scatter chart. And what that means is those are all the people who are having extremely severe reactions or dying within a matter of days, hours or days, after getting the death injection. There is another line, another uh, uh, curve, if you will, that's very clear, that's going up at about a 45 degree angle. So the first curve is almost vertical because there's almost no time between when the people get the injection and when they have this adverse event or die. Um, Death is an adverse event, isn't it? Um, The second curve is like going up at a 45 degree angle because it's taking weeks. It's taking, you know, three, six, eight, maybe 10 weeks. And then, you know, heart attack, thrombosis, turbo cancer, whatever it is. Then there's a third line that runs flat, straight across the bottom of the chart. And that's people, there's just statistically zero adverse events. The only adverse events are the adverse events that would be completely normally expected in any large cohort of people. You get get 100,000 people, in a data set. And by definition, within six months, a couple of those people are going to have heart attacks and die and a couple of those people are going to have strokes and die. It's just, it's just statistics, okay. And that's the advantage of having the time and now having all this data. So what do these three curves mean? The the first curve that's almost vertical that um, they're, they're dying within days of getting injected. Those are what are being referred to as the hot batches so it's clear that there was a hot batch that kills very quickly. And then the curve that goes up at at a 45 degree angle, that's kind of, that's a medium batch. And it, it kills people, but it takes longer, okay? What's the curve across the bottom where there's nothing? That, my friends, is called salt water. That is saline solution, AKA placebo. This whole thing that has gone on with these injections has been a massive trial, and they know it. They all know it. They gave two different strengths, they put out two different strengths of batches. They are seeing how quick and how, and what exactly the mode of of maiming or killing people is based upon the strength of Whatever concoction they're brewing up, whatever the hell it is, because it clearly has nothing to do with with uh, mitigating any sort of a virus. I mean, if you believe that at this point, i don't I don't know what to tell you. And consider this if you if you look at the the batches and this and this plot and the the line across the bottom, which is the placebo line, the saline solution line, they they, calc- they do the math on this. Turns out 30% and this data that I saw was for Europe, 30% of the batches in Europe were clearly placebo. I mean, we, we've got them dead to rights. Now, can stop and consider green passes. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. You cannot travel. You cannot enter a public building. You cannot enter a restaurant. Everybody has to get injected. Everybody has to get injected. This doesn't work unless everybody gets injected. Those SOBs knew, know from the very beginning that fully 30% of the batches were saline solution. Just stop and think about that. This has nothing to do with stopping any sort of a virus. This has nothing to do with the actual concept of vaccination. This is about getting people injected with whatever the hell that poison is, and it's clear what it is. It's designed to reduce the human population and to reduce lifespan and to sterilize, okay? That's what that was about. If you're, if you're doing this demand, I mean, stop and think about this in the context of a legit vaccine like smallpox or something, okay? Sterilizing immunity, which the smallpox vaccine did yield. It was sterilizing immunity, meaning you get the small bo- smallpox vaccine, you get those antibodies, you could roll around on a pile of dead people with oozing pus-filled smallpox sores you're not going to get smallpox. And as long as you change your clothes and take a shower, you're not going to give smallpox to anybody else. You have sterilizing immunity. Okay. They were acting like this whole va- pseudo vaccine paradigm was a question of sterilizing immunity. They knew damn good and well that 30% of the batches were placebo. Again, Just sit in stillness with that and think about that. 30%. That means that even even if you, for the sake of argument, for just a moment say, okay, this this actually is a vaccine and it did provide sterilizing immunity. If you've got 30% of the people who are getting it, who are getting salt water, what does that mean? It means by definition that the thing is never going to end, right? Because here here you've got these people who think that they've gotten it. There's no tracking going on about who's gotten what or anything like that. All they cared about was seeing, sitting back and waiting for the big picture data to start coming in. Um, You know, death statistics, you know, held by the governments and so forth. And for the insurance companies to come in and start saying okay, we're seeing a massive, massive um, uptick in excess deaths, in, in young, healthy adult cohorts. They're, they just sat back and waited to see exactly what the damage was doing, and why are they doing this? So they can calibrate the next one. Are they going to, what are they going to do? Are they going to turn up the, the kind of the medium dosage that doesn't kill people immediately? And and they say, OK, now we know if we pump more of the liquid lipid nanoparticles or whatever it is, if we put more of that into whatever the next fake alleged pandemic is that we that we cook up, we can expect to kill this many people and sterilize this many people. And they're just going to keep going again and again and again. So you say, well, there, there was no trials for this, this vaccine. Actually, the whole thing was a trial. This was just the trial phase. Now they know how poisonous this stuff is. Now they know what they can expect statistically. And as we've talked about here on the podcast before, um, a big objective of all of this is simply to reduce the average lifespan. Um, Average lifespan, let's say in the United States, average men and women together, let's call it age 80 is kind of the average at this point if they can knock 20 years off of that which insurance companies are saying yeah it looks like this is a possibility that you've knocked fully 20 years off of average life expectancy well 80 minus 20 is 60. when does uh social security kick in age 60 what's the minimum age Seven, 65 six, i don't know 62 i don't know 62 might be it if you can kill off a bunch of people before they get anywhere close to getting Social Security and getting anywhere close to getting Medicare, um, you're, you're wiping all kinds of unfunded liabilities off of the government balance sheet. That, that's a key component in what they're doing. And now that we've been through the first trial of this, they, they know how to calibrate and how to how to dose the second round of all this. And as Nurse Claire, you've made the point, it's not going to be limited to any quote-unquote alleged um COVID COVID anything. It's going to be they're going to put this crap in everything. They're going to put in the flu shots, they're going to put in everything.
0: Yeah, don't don't get a flu shot. Um, The CDC data right now that's been uh, recently released shows that the excess mortality for people ages 0 to 24, I mean 0 to 24, those people don't routinely die You know, the excess mortality for that age group alone is up 45% above um, historical levels. It's how no one in the news is talking about this. I don't know. But um, I agree with you. And this was this was a call. It was a thinning of the herd. It was a sterilization procedure. Um, I also think some element of it was probably to create some chronic health issues, which would ensure repeat customers for the medical industrial complex. But that's yep. just my my own opinion. I don't know. Um, but it's all incredibly nefarious. And they're not going to stop. I would I'm planning to write a blog post about the flu shot as soon as i can compile more information for people but uh, my suggestion to everyone listening to this is don't ever take any shots again because yeah they're almost all um, moderna pfizer they're completely married to the mrna technology so anything that comes out of those companies from now on will likely be um mrna based and it's also the adjuvants that's all
1: that's all it ever was yes again five minutes of research about moderna never brought a single product to market not one until this couldn't even get out of animal trials and why couldn't they get out of animal trials because they were killing everything they couldn't get out of animal trials because they were killing all of the animals in the test studies
0: Mm
1: -hmm. she's just yeah and it's wh- how sad, you know, a- and now we're all, we all have to live in this state of complete and total cynicism. And anytime you're in any sort of a healthcare situation or in a hospital and someone wants to inject you with something or squeeze anything into your IV, you just have to be thinking, M- my God, are, are, they, are they killing me right now? Are they literally murdering me right now? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, people are still getting remdesivir people are getting remdesivir against their wishes they're being lied to about yep. what they're being given um, it's bad it's all very very bad um, I, I, my, my advice is don't take any more shots for anything they want people now pregnant women in particular to be getting RSV vaccines um, no <laughs> no yeah I'm I've lived to the ripe old age of my late 40s never having had a vaccine for RSV why is this all of a sudden a problem and uh, all the years I've been in nursing RSV was only ever a problem for babies particularly those who are ex-premies who were born prematurely By the time children are of school age, they've typically have had exposure to the respiratory syncytial virus enough that they have antibodies to it, and it's not a thing. So why are Mm -hmm. we now making that household name? I mean, most people, I, I have been aware of RSV because of my career, But most people my mother, for example, I mean, she recently said me she had never heard of RSV in her life until the last few years. Um, And so that that's another vehicle for vaccination. Let's ramp up the fear surrounding that so we get people to line up for a shot. I because
1: when we were kids, remember when we would get a cold? and if it got sufficiently bad we get drug to the pedi- drug no pun intended to the pediatricians and what what did they just inevitably shove at you antibiotics mm-hmm. antibiotics for a virus i mean uh, uh, uh. so i mean that was that was the the hotness in the 70s and 80s and 90s and now they've the pharmaceutical companies have realized that they need to transition and they need to get a new cash cow and they're cooperating with the new world order and the governments and everything. And now the new thing is is vaccines, that there's a cure for the common cold and there isn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll do a
0: blog post about naturally boosting your immunity the last few weeks of summer, getting as much um, sun as you can to make vitamin D and taking advantage of that. And it's also elderberry season. so. Um, I will put up my recipe for some elderberry syrup that oh, you can use. Oh, you're going to have
1: recipes on your blog, too. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, dear. Friends, this is going to be the new hotness, I'm telling you. NurseClaireSays.com. Oh, dear. Bookmark.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the I, put, I get on. pictures
1: of what, of, of what <laughs> happens in her kitchen, and this is – this is going to be good. So. <laughs> oh my!
0: Well, let's hope. No I mean, again, I just want—I just want people to have help, you know, um, yeah. because these these days are so very, very dark, very dark.
1: Oh, and oh, this isn't in our outline, but we can—we can totally riff on this. We both know this inside and out. People are saying, "Will you please talk about if a person has been injected? What? What are basically kind of the?" the maybe, hopefully, please God, mitigating protocols. Um, no. my, my list is ivermectin, dandelion extract, vitamin D, zinc, um, and careful with the zinc because it can kind of mess with your guts. Go real, go easy on the zinc. Um, what am I missing?
0: Um, NAC, N-acetylcysteine, um, potent anti-inflammatory, Um There are some people using hyperbaric oxygen, red light therapy, and methylene blue as well. Mm -hmm. I I mean, we just have to continue to drive home the point to people that this is such a mixed bag. You know, some people are presenting with autoimmune problems. Some people are presenting with neurological problems. Some people are presenting with um, blood clotting issues. No one has a standard across the board response That's to right. these
1: injections and so in in we don't know no what's cure. in them there's no there's no cure and we're not fronting like there's a cure you cannot say i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna work my way around this i'm mm-hmm. gonna make somebody happy i'm gonna make my my retarded nag spouse um, happy or make an employer happy and then I'll just I'll just take these vitamins and supplements and that'll be right. my workaround. No 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 yeah. no 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 there there's no, no there's magic. A, there's no cure antidote for taking this, this poison.
0: Right. Go and ahead. well we don't know what's in it either. Yeah. So yep. physicians who are like our good buddy Dr. Beep, who is legitimately working his tail off to try to help people yeah, You know, how can you treat something when you don't even know what you're treating? Um, yeah. So to please don't do that, you know? No. No job is worth your health. And no. if you think you're gonna outsmart the system by getting a shot so that you get a vaccine card and then you'll just go take some magic potion, it's
1: it doesn't work that way. No. Oh, and the other thing I wanna mention in this exact same vein as I mentioned that the statistics show that, that in Europe, <clears throat> Thirty percent of the doses were um, saline. If anybody out there is listening and thinking to themselves, "Well, oh, I've, got, I've got some odds that I might not, I might not get it." Well, you've got a seven in chance, seven mm-hmm. in ten chance with one injection that you do get it. And then, you know, if you get multiple injections, well, your odds of of, of getting saline both times are very, very, very small. And never mind that people who are going three and four, so mm-hmm. you can't think that well if they've got a bunch of if they've got a bunch of placebo and saline that I can I can roll the dice on this. no, you can't because that's also a violation of the Fifth commandment because yeah. you're basically playing Russian roulette you are you are playing Russian roulette and you are risking murdering yourself um, and that is a mortal sin I mean. You, you could get to confession and repent of it, but how about you just not do anything that catastrophically stupid in the first place? No injecting yourselves with poison. This also reminds me of, um, I was I had an email exchange with somebody, and um, th- this whole question about, about what do you do if you or someone that you know or love has, has gotten the injections, and the scripture, I, I think it's in it's either in Matthew or Mark, where you know it says, and they will take up serpents and they will drink poisons and they will not be harmed. Um, it, it's interesting. I was thinking about that in the context of of ivermectin. That ivermectin pops pops up, relatively speaking, historically speaking, just in time to be ready to go for this for this plot. Um, that, but but at the same time, um, I think everybody agrees that the crazy people in Appalachia who have these these crazy churches where they bring in rattlesnakes, and every year, one or two of them get killed from handling poisonous snakes. Um, God doesn't God doesn't want the people in Appalachia to be handling rattlesnakes and he doesn't want any of us to be injecting ourselves with poison and then saying, well, that's okay because the gospel says that I can drink poison and nothing will happen to me. So, you know, you really, again, back to that buzzword, nuanced thought, you know, you have to use nuanced thought and, and have prudence and sound judgment and make sure that you make the right decisions here. And this one's a no brainer. That stuff is poison. You have nothing to do with it. The only way that any of that stuff would ever, ever get into my body, they would have to physically hold me down or knock me out or something. And then at that point, they have murdered me. I am not a cooperator in any way, shape, manner, or form. If they manage to murder me that way, it's 100% on them. I have not committed a sin. And that's, ultimately, that's the most important thing that, We all die in a state of grace and, you know, after we get through our particular judgment, we go through our purgation and someday, even if it's at the heat death of the universe, we achieve the beatific vision. That's what it's about. So you never put yourself in a position where you're doing something that could risk that. Don't commit sins, don't commit mortal sins. And injecting yourself with poison knowingly, and if you're listening to this, you know, it's poison. Is is mortally sinful against the fifth commandment.
0: Yep. Well said. It's a sin against prudence, if nothing else. Yep. Mm-hmm. And not to mention that they're all abortion tainted, but we know that. We've oh, oh,
1: oh that. also that. Isn't it ironic that that's like completely secondary? Yeah. I mean, I appreciate people, you know, keeping that in the forefront, and you know, um, the work that um, Julie. What's her, What's her last name?
0: Uh, color colorophy? with the, with the humanized
1: mice yeah and exposing all of that color offy i, I um, think so she exposed all of that with the humanized mice and they found that lab in fresno and there were humanized mice in there and it's it was it's just all super creepy guys that's secondary that's yeah. secondary the the primary issue is that the stuff is poisonous so whether or not it was made with murdered baby parts that's secondary to the fact that it's poison to start with if, if it was completely devoid if it was completely pure in the sense of not containing dead baby parts murdered baby parts then it, wouldn't it matter. would it's still, still be mortally yeah. sinful it's still yeah. a sin against the fifth commandment to inject yourself with a poisonous substance
0: yep and you know, there's people playing this angle that it's an act of charity to get vaccinated for others. We've heard that spiel. I don't know how many times. So, well, now and from that Anti-Poke we're
1: Bergoglio, Anti-Poke yeah, Bergoglio. If, if, if there were only some clue that he wasn't actually the vicar <laughs> of Christ on earth, maybe going on television and telling people that it is morally imperative, as a function of Christian charity, to inject yourself with poison. I don't know, M- might be might be a red flag. I'm just spitballing, you know, don't, don't mind me. Well, but, and no
0: one should sell you on this either at this point because, you know, at first, I could see how people would be taken in with that argument because they're trusting and thinking that, oh, you know, traditionally vaccines did eradicate some diseases, blah, 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 which is kind of questionable anyway, but I, I could see how people would t- be taken up with that line of thinking. Yes. But here we are now, what is this, August of 2023. The first vaccines were administered to healthcare, the COVID vaccines were administered to healthcare providers mid-December of 2020. So we are approaching three years now. And we yeah. see that they're not efficacious at all, at all. Yep. People at are all. still <laughs> getting COVID, people are still getting COVID, and the most of them are vaccinated and boosted to you know the nines and so
1: in fact don't it makes it worse
0: it does make it, it modulates worse. the immune system yep. and makes it worse yeah yep. and so don't be taken up with this argument that it's an act of charity for others to get vaccinated you are not morally obligated to take an inject an injection of poison for other people and certainly one that doesn't work and doesn't do its stated objective
1: Exactly. Yep, it's a lie from top to bottom, from mm-hmm. from the father of lies, who is the prince of this world, and his and his little minion in Rome, the anti-pope, who's one of the who's in bed with every nefarious new world order, Freemasonic, Malthusian, Luciferian piece of crap on this planet. Bergoglio is one of them and is in bed with them and has received them an audience and is 100% in on this and is 100% complicit in all this. Y'all don't need to remind you, December 30th. 20, uh, excuse me, December 30th, 2019 was the infamous episode where a Chinese woman as anti-Pope oh, Bergoglio yeah. was walking through St. Peter's Square. She reached out and touched him and took his hand and was trying to beg for for the Catholics of of China. And he violently, vi- he, he, his, he assaulted her. He straight up assaulted her. He starts beating this woman, beating this woman to get her to stop touching him. You know why? I think that that evil, probable false prophet, forerunner of the antichrist, anti-pope, was clued in about what was coming, because this was December of 2019. Event 201, as we all know, was October 18th of 2019. They all knew that it was coming. The propaganda was just starting to trickle in that oh there's this there's this weird pneumonia in China and people are just face planting on the streets and and so on and so forth. Oh no, they they knew it was coming and I absolutely think that Bergoglio knew that was that it was coming and when he turned around and he saw that it was a Chinese woman who had grabbed his hand that he was He was sufficiently terrified of what he had been told was this bioweapon that he, he physically assaulted the woman. It's all over the internet. It was, it was huge news and it just, the, the ferocious violence with which he assaulted that woman, I, I remember I had friends over and we were just sitting there over and over watching that clip and just look at him, look at his face. Look at him wailing on her. What what in the world is he doing? You would think normally that he would just pull away, just pull away, but he doesn't. He's just beating and beating and beating on her and it's just it's I think it's a proof set that he knew and he's clearly on board with this. He's clearly complicit. He's a he's a huge cooperator in it. And um, well, what more would you expect if the guy is, if the guy is the false prophet forerunner of the Antichrist, he's gonna be in bed with Satanists, luciferians, every nefarious sect that there is, and he he obviously clearly is now, red flag again. Uh, maybe maybe some questions should be asked. Maybe we should look around and say what's going on here. But of course no, because the only questions the only things that cannot be stated are the things that are true, like, he's not the Pope, Benedict never resigned. But we always circle back to this somehow. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? It's kind of important. (laughs) It's kind of important, indeed, indeed. Now, talking about things that are kind of important, again, this is kind of your jam, you've gotten all of us very much into this. Let's talk about the Holy Face devotion. Oh,
0: boy, yeah. Um, Well, speaking of, the anti-pope in the new world order and globalism which globalism let's be very clear is just worldwide communism that's what globalism Mm -hmm. is it's not oh international trade between countries and businesses doing commerce internationally that's not globalism this is communism yeah um so there is a devotion that our Lord has given to us, though, to combat this. And it is the devotion to his holy face. Now, people have literally written books on this. So, in the interest of time, I'm just going to give mm-hmm. you the Cliff's Notes version, um, and we'll post some links for people if they're interested in finding out more about this devotion. Because it is the history of it's very interesting. It's quite extensive. It goes back um, beginning in the 1840s, and it's sort of um, it's it sort of fizzled out for a while, and then was brought back in the. Uh, mid 20th century by a little Italian nun and then sort of fizzled out again and is um, becoming more prominent now and and I think this is its time. Um, Mm -hmm. So what had happened was in 1839, a very humble pious woman entered a Carmelite uh, convent in Tours, France, and she took the name of uh, Sister Mary of St. Peter and in 1840, oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that wonderful, <laughs> yes. Sister Mary of Saint Peter? Um, mm-hmm. uh, in 1844, our Lord began uh, giving her revelations about things, and and those uh, communications with our Lord lasted until I think 1847. Um, some of my dates might be off, but uh, basically. Uh, our Lord wanted to impress upon her the need to make reparation for the sins that offend God so much in these modern times, and that being um, atheism, blasphemy, and profanation of Sundays and holy days. And um, she writes in March of 1844, she says, um, During Holy Mass, our Lord showed me the enormity of the crime of blasphemy, saying to me, you cannot comprehend the malice and abomination of this sin. If my justice were not restrained by my mercy, indeed, it would instantly crush the guilty. In fact, all creatures, even those that are inanimate, would avenge this outrage against their creator's majesty but I have an eternity in which to punish the guilty. That is about blasphemy alone. So getting back to that Father Stew movie and how many people yeah. made excuses for the overt blasphemy in that movie. Well, they're just trying to be real. And, and just they're just trying to reach people that maybe that's where they're at in their life and, and try to connect with those people. No, no, no. Like we cannot excuse this and you have to, just think about your basic catechism, the first three commandments of the 10 commandments, they're ranked in order, really, and the first three commandments are the sins against God himself. And, and they're so I mean, you could make the argument that blasphemy is worse than murder, because that's number five. And that's the sin against your fellow man, but blasphemy is a sin against God. And so our Lord came to this um, humble little Uh, Carmelite nun and asked for reparation to that and he spoke to her for a period of about three years um, and he wanted her to make reparation by adoring his holy face Um, and he said there's a really good quote that I wanted to read he said to her that um, just as in an earthly kingdom Money, which is stamped with a picture of the sovereign or ruling executive of a country, procures whatever one desires to purchase. So likewise, in the kingdom of heaven, you shall obtain all that you desire by offering the coin of my precious humanity, which is my adorable face. So he promised just incredible graces to those who adore his holy face, who honor his holy face and who make reparation for these sins um, by his holy face, and he spoke to her about revolutionaries, and he kept making uh, references to these great sins out of atheism, blasphemy, profanation of Sundays as committed by revolutionaries, and she, you can read her, her writings, and she was, not confused, but she was unsure what these revolutionary men were that our Lord kept referring. And then on March 14th, 1847, our Lord actually called them out as communists. Mm-hmm. And she writes in her, um, in her book, she writes, after, after that our Lord told me that the society known as the communists had so far made only one outbreak, but that they were working secretly to advance their schemes and he added oh if you only knew their secret and diabolical plots and their anti-christian principles they are waiting for a favorable day in order to inflame the whole country to obtain mercy ask therefore that the work of reparation be established by addressing yourself to him through whom th- to him who through the bounden duty of his office can establish it. So he wanted her to establish an arch confraternity of the Holy Face um, through her archbishop. But mm-hmm. the interesting thing was, the date on this was March 14th, 1847, and she died shortly after that. She died in 1848, and what happened also in 1848? Karl Marx Why? and Friedrich mm-hmm. Engels published the Communist Manifesto. So up to that point, the world had never heard the word communist before. Yeah. Um, and so our and Lord yet, was do you speaking to her. Think
1: that a little that a little Carmelite nun cloistered cloistered Carmelite nun yep. is gonna is gonna know anything about that? No right. way. No way. Yep. Yep. yep.
0: So um, and and it goes on. There were there were a lot of other things happen happening. You know. Um, she brought all of this to her superiors, and in 1849, the work of communism, uh, the Communist Manifesto it was starting to spread throughout Europe, and the Pope at the time, who I believe was Pius IX, um, he decided that he was going to have um, the veil of Veronica exposed for three mm-hmm. days. This was in January of 1849. Uh, And as the veil was exposed, it miraculously began to illuminate. And so the Pope immediately, you know, the bells rang and the Pope, you know, acknowledged this is a miraculous event and had commissioned artists in the Vatican immediately to make sketches of this on linen Mm -hmm. and uh, distribute them throughout Europe. And they did this every year for. I think up until the early 1900s, and I actually have one of these in my home. um, These relics that were sketches of how the veil appeared during this three-day period, and then um, the linens that the sketch was made on was also touched to the relics of our Lord's passion um, and distributed for veneration. And interestingly,
1: they still, they they have... um, what day, what day is it? Is it an Advent? When is it that, it's, that the veil of Veronica is displayed Passion, in St. Peter's? Sunday. Passion Sunday. Passion Sunday. Passion Sunday. But it's, it's not the original. It's, it's a copy. The thing that they, that they bring out inside St. Peter's on that balcony up there is, is a copy. And I suppose it's because the modernists don't want to risk anything happening. You know? What wow. Wow. I mean?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm, I didn't know that. Oh, but and I looked
1: it up, and you're absolutely right. Pius the Pius IX's pontificate began in 1846, so confirmed, yeah. Well,
0: so then um, Leo XIII, I think, was the one who did end up establishing the Archconfraternity of the Holy Face, or maybe Pius IX did, I don't know. But um, it was established shortly thereafter in 1885, and St. Therese of Lisieux was a member. And it, the the devotion to our Lord's holy face did spread throughout France. It was pretty popular, I think, um, during the first world First World War, and then it kind mm-hmm. of fizzled. Um, and there was a little Italian nun in, um, I believe, the nineteen forties. She's been beatified in two thousand ten. Her name is um, Blessed Maria Perina she was from milan but then she was in a, a convent in rome and she created um a medal of our lord's holy face but the medal that she created was of his face as it appears on the shroud of Turin. but ah, okay yeah um, regardless the devotion is it seems to be the antidote to communism as given to us mm-hmm. by our lord and so i will put some I'll send some links to Super Nerd that he can put in the show notes for people to read more about this devotion. Um, the the Golden Arrow prayer people may be familiar with, which is to make reparation to our Lord for um, the sin of blasphemy, that was dictated by our Lord to Sister Mary of St. Peter. Um, there are daily prayers that you can recite that don't take too terribly long i do them every day myself um to make reparation for atheism blasphemy and profanation of sundays and holy days um there's the chaplet of the holy face that one can recite and also a big part of the devotion is to make a visit to the blessed sacrament on tuesdays with a spirit of reparation so um we can link all of this for people to read more about because um
1: I think we need all the help we can get right now. Oh, that's understatement of the episode right yeah. there. Maybe a yeah. show title: We need all the help we can get. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yep. We're surrounded, and if anyone doubts that, I mean, just look at look at COVID as just one manifestation. How lockstep the entire world was in yep. all of this totalitarianism. Um, some places, sure, were worse than others, and some places were not as bad, but everyone, there, there is no corner of the world that was left untouched by this. Yep. And it's communism. I mean, it was absolute totalitarian um, power, uh, governments colluding, you know, so we're surrounded and we need help. We need to be crying out to heaven.
1: But I'm glad I'm glad you use that word we're surrounded because we remember the wonderful quote from Chesty Puller that great great <laughs> hero of the United States Marine Corps he said, "Well, boys, we're surrounded. That makes it easy. They can't get away from us now." So <laughs> <laughs> uh, confidence confidence in in battle, absolutely. And it's all gonna resolve whether or not it's in our lifetimes or not. I hope so. I'd love to I see it. I hope so too. I we, I, I we'd really all hope love so. to see it, but yeah. it's gonna resolve. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be fantastic. You know, hope, theological virtue, y'all. Yeah. He's not kidding, you know, yeah. faith and hope. Yeah, faith, hope, and and charity. And when we get to heaven, there's no more need for faith because you've got the beatific vision and it's right there in front of you. So. There's no more need for faith. It's, it's ironic to think about, but nobody in heaven has any faith because you don't need it because you're there. And uh, there's no need for hope because again, right. you're there. You have everything. But the one thing that remains, the, the theological virtue that remains of course is charity because charity is God himself. God is infinite love. And so that's what we're all driving for. And we're here for however long that we're here and we fight the good fight and we do it cheerfully, and just circling back a little bit, y'all try not to try not to be consumed with anxiety or or anything. I, th- I think a lot of people are worried that they shouldn't be around other people because you know the the pseudo vaccines apparently shed, and I- I've kind of experienced that myself. I, I absolutely believe it's true, and there's documentation and literature from yeah. internal documents from Pfizer saying, "Oh yeah." don't let pregnant women touch anybody right. oh, we've I post on that we'll dig that up and we'll put that mm-hmm. in the show notes too just as a as a flashback but yeah um, we were laughed at for saying that and, yeah. oh, and, yeah. and
0: there there's actually um, a podcast on life site that tries to say that no one should be concerned about shedding because this is not happening and shedding is not happening from these vaccines clearly it is we said that it was in the spring of 2021. um, And now there's documentation of it and lots of documentation emerging. And I agree with you, Anne. I don't want to see people um, become uncharitable or let their charity towards others grow cold over this, because that's a diabolical plot. And you're not going to escape the shedding from this.
1: Nope, it's they, they got 5 billion people. Yeah. You cannot, you cannot avoid it. And so we do exactly what the great saints did who went and ministered to people with plague and all that kind of, all that kind of thing. We're just, we're gonna do what we can. We'll be taking our ivermectin. I'm taking my dandelion extract. I'm taking my vitamin D. You know, we're doing, we're doing our stuff. But do I lay awake at night worrying about this even though I know for a fact that I'm around people Probably on a daily basis. I mean, if you ever go to restaurants, almost everybody works in a restaurant about yeah. it. So, um, you and I mean, you, Nurse Claire, working in a hospital environment, you're in a you're in a micro minority, I suppose. Yeah, I, I mean, I I have to put
0: scrubs on at the hospital that are worn by my coworkers and then laundered and put into a machine, yeah. and then I have to put them on and wear them on my skin. I have no idea. I what is coming out of these vaccinated people I don't have any idea how to mitigate it. I don't know if you can wash it out of your clothes. I don't know. know. <laughs> and yeah. I have to just roll with it because in taking care of patients, you know, there are patients that need to be cared for.
1: That's That's right. just the way it
0: is, and that's my job. So And we
1: do it, and we do it cheerfully, and I believe it's in in the Benedictine rule, in the Rule of St. Benedict. He says, "Keep death before your eyes every day." and well that's kind of where we are now even if you're young and healthy in a certain sense um if you know that everyone around you in society could possibly be shedding this crap all over you well you know we're not we're not gonna go lock ourselves in the house and snivel that's exactly what lucifer wants us to do exactly we're we're gonna keep going and I had the opportunity today after Mass, I was able to take a 90-year-old local parishioner lady for a walk with me, and it's almost a certainty that she has had it, and, you know, I gave her a hug and a kiss, both coming and going, so, and not going to stop either, Refuse to. Nice try, Satan, but it ain't going to work it ain't yeah. gonna work. And so. this is divided families, which is another clear indicator
0: that it's diabolical in origin and Yep. Yeah. It's sad.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So. All right, Missy. I'm looking at the clock. I did did Super Nerd give you a a wrap-up I, outline? I'm totally prepared to wrap it oh up. Oh my goodness. All <laughs> right. All right. It's amateur no. hour
0: here on the Barnhart <laughs> podcast. No. <laughs> all right. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. The email address for the podcast, where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, or good news items for wrapping up the podcast, is podcast at barnhart.biz. Anne expresses her profound gratitude to her benefactors. Every single day, a traditional Catholic Latin Mass is said for Anne's benefactors, plus one traditional Catholic Latin requiem mass for everyone who died in the previous week. I don't think we have any famous people that died this week. Please pray for the priests, not only those who offer the benefactor masses, but all priests, because without Mm -hmm. priests, the sacraments would not be possible, as Satan very well knows, even better than we understand. Salvation is an individual decision, but it's also a team effort through the communion of saints. The priests are praying for us and we need to pray for them. We call upon our podcast patron, the patronage Uh of St. Tiny Princess here at the Barnhart Podcast, Super Nerd's daughter who was born with a severe genetic condition, was baptized and confirmed in her first 50 hours of life and spread her warmth and joy among us on this planet for a little under a year, but she now sees God face to face for all eternity. The Barnhart Podcast is a value for value podcast. If you got some value, whether it's entertainment, education, reassurance, a new devotion to the holy face, whatever, please consider returning some value. And you can learn more about that at supernerdmedia.com. And since the last podcast, Super Nerd would like to recognize a few donors um, via the mailbox, Steady Steven, Uh, James of Rick James fame who says sorry I forgot about you two for a while (laughs) Uh, via the web which could be credit card debit card Apple pay Google pay cash app or link super nerd would like to thank John Joseph and William who says she is as beautiful as you believe and we're not sure if that's a reference to our lady uh, Saint tiny princess or super mommy, but thank you.
1: Thank you. Uh, (laughs) All three.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Via podcasting 2.0, nothing came in this week, but if you want to join in with the new wave of anti-censorship and free speech, head over to podcastapps.com and select one of the many excellent apps available to get rid of your Google, Spotify, Amazon, or Apple podcasts because did you see that Apple iTunes directory just click kicked uh, Glenn Beck, the milk toast Mormon, out of out of their their directory? No. Yeah, no. so Mm-mm. Glenn Beck has been uh, deplatformed by Apple. So, and now um, I'll turn it over to Anne for the Matthew seventeen twenty.
1: Pray without ceasing every day. Fast twice a week if you can fourfold intention that bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-pope and that the whole anti-papacy be nullified that pope benedict ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living pope from april of 2005 until his death on december 31st 2022 and for the petrine see and say we are huge huge fans of the papacy the papacy is awesome and the church needs it and our Lord established the papacy and we need precisely the authority of the papacy and we need a strong holy pope who will knock, knock some proverbial skulls. And sadly, we've got a lot of people in traddy land who have been deceived and tricked and misguided into thinking that the papacy is a terrible thing because of anti-Pope Bergoglio and nothing could be further from the truth. Um, that Bergoglio repent revert to catholicism die in a state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieve the beatific vision and for the repose of the soul of pope benedict ratzinger our lady of copacabana slayer of the uh taco mama demon pray for us
0: pray for us all right well i think that does it
1: all right thank you you did a wonderful job on the wrap-up extremely well done thank you for coming (laughs) and prayers for super nerd that um the ivermectin kicks in and that uh the next time we hear from him he doesn't sound like barry white so (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so on behalf of nurse claire i'm ann and on behalf of super nerd who's doing the post-production i'm ann thanks guys god bless One hundred. One hundred.